Hey Savant, what's the difference between the English Premier League, the FA Cup and the Champions League? Hey, I'll tell you only if you answer the questions about, you know, what is this Tour de France that a lot of the world keeps watching year after year. Yeah, and in basketball also, man. You tell me what these things called playoffs are that are happening in the NBA right now. Again, I'll tell you only if you answer why is Mercedes winning the F1 championship year after year. If you want the answers to these questions, you know where to join. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Savant. Hi everybody, my name is Ronnie and welcome to another episode of Surface Scratchers. In today's episode, we are going to dissect a few sports that are commonly available for us to watch on TV in India. But people may not start watching because they don't know head or tail of how to get into the sport, what the strategies are, how do you follow it, what's generally happening. So today we've selected four sports. Formula 1. Basketball. uh, Pro Cycling. And association football. It does feel good to be back after a one-week hiatus, no, Ronnie, though. Hey, but this is a good topic. I'm really looking forward to today's discussion. Yeah, I think it's really helpful also because it's very close to home and a lot of people do want to know a lot more about these sports. Right, and and I'd really like people to start uh, watching the two sports that I picked, Formula 1 and Tour de, the Tour de France and pro cycling in general. Yeah, I'm actually quite excited to hear about Tour de France because Formula 1, I feel that at least India has quite a big viewer base. But Tour de France, for our listeners, Ronnie Jacob back in business school, okay, this odd time when the Tour de France was on, on the fifth or sixth floor where he would be staying, there would be this random Malayali boy with an old monk and coke with his feet up on the table watching this Tour de France. (laughs) The rest of us would be out having a good time. So, really interested to know a little bit more about Tour de France. I still don't. Maybe I'll start, Ronnie, with the NBA. Uh, The time when this podcast is recorded, we're in the middle of a really interesting NBA playoff. So, I think it's a good time to start with NBA or basketball in general, but mostly on the NBA. Yep. Cool. So, you know, all of us have heard about what the NBA is. Uh, Some of you may even have watched the Netflix original, The Last Dance, which is chronicling Michael Jordan's career. It's a fabulous sport to watch. Of course, great sport to play also, but really fast, end-to-end definite outcome unlike test cricket and not a lot of time also. Hmm. Uh, The only sad part is in India, you have to wake up at 6.30am to watch it, but it's a part of the entire joy of watching basketball. The NBA is is in the top four uh, sporting leagues by revenue. You want to take a crack at uh, the other three? Um, I'm sure the uh, NFL, the National Football League. High up there at number one. Uh, They don't kick the ball, they don't use their foot and they don't use a ball, but the NFL is there. Then, Major League Baseball. That is correct, Nani. And uh, the English Premier League, perhaps? Yes. So, the NFL, MLB, NBA, the English Premier League and the NHL just goes to show how much money is just there in commercial sport in, in the USA. Anyway, coming back to the NBA. So, how is the NBA structured you know, you you would have heard of terms like the playoffs, the regular season, uh, the all stars, for example. So over the next three to four minutes, I'll just try to break down each of what this means. So the current league, Ronnie, is divided into thirty teams. Okay, twenty nine in the United States, one in Canada. You know what that one Canadian team is? The Toronto Raptors. That is correct. The Toronto Raptors. 
but yeah so right now there are 30 teams uh, divided into two conferences and these 30 teams are fixed the 30 teams are fixed so these uh, there are two conferences the western conference and the eastern conference they're not reflective of the population distribution of the united states so most teams actually exist in the eastern and central half of the country so if you see the western conference and eastern conference it doesn't geographically reflect eastern usa and western usa now within a conference there are three divisions so the eastern conference for example will have the atlantic division which hugs the atlantic similarly there is a central division and a southeast division in the in the eastern conference the western conference also has three divisions each division has five teams each the most famous one is the pacific division which has the la lakers the la clippers the golden state warriors the phoenix suns and the sacramento kings the northwest and the southwest are the other divisions so two conferences each conference has three division each division has five teams okay ronnie what's your favorite team or was your favorite team i know you used to watch a lot of basketball i like the miami heat okay so the miami heat for example would be in the eastern conference in the southeast division now what happens in the regular season each team plays 82 games that's 41 home and away that's a hell of a lot of wow. games okay at the end of the season there is something called the playoffs very similar to how it is in ipl so uh the playoffs begin in april so the season actually starts somewhere in october and ends in april after which the playoffs begin immediately after the conclusion of this regular season with top 8 teams in each conference regardless of divisional alignments hmm. so top 8 of western hmm. will play kind of play top 8 of eastern and i'll explain how so within the 8 that are selected in the western conference they will be pitted against each other in a knockout format where they have to play a best of 7 and one will emerge victorious in the western conference similarly one will emerge victorious in the eastern conference they will then battle it out for the nba finals for what is known as the larry o'brien championship okay. okay things have changed a little bit from 2020 initially the top 8 teams as per their seeds would go mm. okay from a particular conference now top 6 teams are going and the other two from each conference is selected uh, in a battle called the plains okay where the top 10 from a conference are selected 7 8 9 10 from say western conference will play a part of this plane 7 will play 8 and go directly to the finals of this plane 9 will play 10 the winner of that will play the loser of 7 to 8 and the winner of that will finally get a chance in the more games more money <laughs> more games more money and we might become number one or two no but it also gives it's it's actually kind of fair because between 7 to 10 there's a not a lot to differentiate uh, but that's how the nba playoffs are man super super interesting super competitive uh, right now the nba players have been as fit and lethal as they have in the past like everyone is just so athletic mm-hmm. back in the day there were like uh, people who were good at three point shooting people who were good at dribbling uh, you know uh, uh, people who were, who were good at defense now literally everyone is good at everything right you heard of this guy called yanis the greek freak they used to call him right so yanis james harden of course lebron all these guys are good at everything so basketball is in a very good space right now right man so if someone wants to start watching the nba now 
how can someone get into it and what should they look out for if they so just like any other sport start getting hooked to one team that's doing really well <laughs> so that's the best way to get it to the sport so do start watching either that or you know a lot of my friends who've gotten into sports have have been hooked by like some star player so david beckham got most of us into football uh, now cristiano for these kids so if you follow players like james harden yanis LeBron, of course, Anthony Davis. You're going to really enjoy basketball, but just by watching these players. And where can we watch it? The NBA now. So right now you can watch it. Like I watch it on the NBA app. Uh, it also has a daily pass, a monthly pass. Not very expensive. It used to be on Sony Live last year, but it's not anymore. Okay, so, so the app is the only way to get that. The app is the only one. The YouTube, YouTube obviously had the NBA official YouTube. Uh, page always puts up the highlights the 9 minute highlights immediately after the game so you can pretty much catch that as well okay but there's a different joy in waking up early morning and watching basketball all right moving on the next sport we'll look at is formula 1 formula 1 happens to be one of my favorite or perhaps my most favorite uh, sport that i watch and i really like people to get into formula 1 a little bit more Formula 1 happens every year the season starts around March finishes i think around October or something of that sort and typically has something around 20 races the number of races are not fixed uh, really depends on uh, for example with covid there were countries that came in countries that dropped out etc and even this year we just heard that the singapore race is not going to happen yesterday so uh, 20 races a year each each season has 10 teams that participate the teams in formula 1 are called constructors so each constructor fields two drivers so 10 into 2 20 drivers are the guys who are uh, on a whole competing through a season during these 20 races the top finishers get points for example first place finisher gets 25 second place gets 18 third place 15 and so on top 10 finishers get points the guy with the most points at the end of the num- the total number of races for the year is the winner of the world drivers championship great there is also a constructors championship so the constructor or the team whose drivers cumulatively have got the most number of points wins the constructors championship as well what's the more coveted one the drivers championship but typically at least in the last i think uh 10 maybe 12 years the guy who wins the drivers championship is uh, his team only gets the constructor winner as well so that's just the basics of formula 1 uh, getting into the little uh, the nitty gritties in a little bit of detail the 20 races are all very very different you have races in places like you know the middle east which are humid hot conditions like bahrain abu dhabi etc two night races happening in singapore or, or places like that as well so each track or each circuit is very very unique and the layout of the circuit determines you know the nature of performance that's required if you have a circuit that has very very long straight running you need a car that's very very powerful to put down the power to give you high top speed etc if you have a circuit that's very very windy too many curves you need a car that's handles well around corners has a lot of downforce so that the cars can go very quickly around this so 
mixing and matching this is essentially going to be the recipe for success for a team. You need to be good through all these different stages. The Formula One race, a particular event, is typically held over three days over a weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday over a weekend is the Formula One weekend. So Friday and Saturday, the teams get three hours in total to go out and practice. They can do literally what they want. Uh, there are no places, points, anything given on during the practice sessions. And the teams essentially learn the layout of the track, uh, get to know how the car performs. And on Saturday evening, there is a thing called qualifying that happens. Qualifying essentially decides the starting order for the race. So the yeah. 20 drivers go in and at the end of the qualifying, you know that driver number one is starting one, driver number four is starting second, the driver number 31 is starting third, etc. So once the qualifying order is finished, the main event, the race, happens on a Sunday where in this order of uh, that they qualified in on Saturday, the drivers go out to race and at the end of it, they are awarded points as per their finishing position if they finish in the top 10. During the race, there's just a few mandatory requirements, etc. Uh, the teams have to change their tires once during a race that is dry. So if it doesn't rain, you have to change your tires. So there are three different types of tires that are available to a driver. We won't get into the details of how these tires are different. So if you start on tire compound A, you've got to at least use B or C one time during the race. So you, it's up to you to finish, figure out what order you want to use it in, etc. But all of that, you know, plays into the strategy. Sometimes starting on one tire makes a lot of difference. Uh, stopping early for the second tire makes a lot of difference. Going late and stopping towards the end of the race makes a lot of difference. I have one fundamental question. Huh? Okay, Ronnie. Which is, see, if you if, if our listeners would have heard the the sports podcast that we did, they would have heard about my reservations about the sport in general. But even in terms of probability to win, right? It's either the driver's skill or the uh, the equipment. The, the, the efficiency of the machine, which is the card in this place. Now, someone like a, a lower rank constructor, okay, would he have an inferior machine because of lesser funds, etc., and therefore uh, attract lesser talent? Okay, a Verstappen or a Hamilton would not be attracted to. How does it work, and how does this asymmetry thereby, you know, uh, be solved? And okay, so this this was a this has been, I think, a perennial problem with Formula One. I think the last six seasons have been dominated by one uh, team and largely one driver. And before that, it was another driver, another team, etc. for three, four years in succession. So the guys who run the Formula One decided that, you know, having one team winning like this is not really best for fans. So what, they, what they've done, I think, effective this year and getting into effect very strongly next year are, number one, they're going to introduce cost caps. So oh, everything nice. apart from the salaries of drivers and some, you know, some key people in the team, everyone gets, I think, somewhere around 150 or $175 million to spend. So no matter who your sponsors are, if Etihad comes and sponsors you, you can still only spend $175 million on most items, which is developing the car, all of that, except salary. Assuming that each constructor has 175 million in the first place. 
yeah, in the first place. Which most of them would. Maybe the bottom one or two teams may not, but otherwise everyone would. So that is number one. Number two, uh, the development of the car, the aerodynamics, etc., happens in things called wind tunnels, where you put a dummy piece of the car, blow air over it, and see how it reacts in in this. So the development time that is given to a team depends on the performance in the previous year. So if you are top finisher, you might get say 100 hours to do this. Bottom finisher gets 125 hours or 140 hours to do it. So you are allowed more time to get better at all of this, etc. That's fair. And at that that goes down linearly. So the top guy gets the least time, second gets slightly more, third gets slightly more with the last place finisher getting uh, the most amount of time. And also every seven years or so, there are significant rule changes that happen where mm. the nature of the engine, etc. are changed, which can again, you know, shape up things and mix things around. So that really, there is an effort at least to take care of, you know, uh, a little bit of boredom, so to say, with the same constructor on the drive of winning. But is that going to happen? Like, what's your prediction for 2021, for example? Is it the same Hamilton story? It No, uh, it could be at the end. It very well could be at the end. But the way things are shaping up right now, even if that happens to be the eventuality, the competition's much, much better. Right. So Ferrari are mix, appearing to make a comeback. Red Bull are very strong. Verstappen's pretty strong. McLaren's on the up as well. So it very well could be Hamilton winning again but the competition's a lot better, right? Uh, so, important things for a viewer to, you know, someone getting into the sport to understand uh, how to follow Formula 1. In India, Hotstar subscriptions help you get Formula 1. That's how I watch it. I'm sure it comes on TV as well. Uh, Star Sports or whatever should get it. Formula 1 is really, really good with their social media connect and all of that. I think they're a sport that recognizes that, you know, there is a lot more room to grow. So their engagement with fans, with newcomers, etc., very, very good. So even commentators during these events do keep in mind that people may not know so much and they actually do a pretty good job explaining strategies and all of that as well. Uh, there is a Netflix series called Drive to Survive that follows the different Formula One teams through each season. And uh, season two and season, th- season two was really, really good. I haven't seen season one. Season three had a lot of hype to it and it was pretty nice as well. So Drive to Survive is another way to get into it. Like Samanth mentioned, for basketball, perhaps choose one uh, constructor or a driver that you really, really like and try to uh, figure out, you know, what their strategies are, etc. And you might think that it's just, you know, a bunch of cars following each other for 50 laps of a circuit. But there are a lot of things like the mandatory pit stop, the tire changes, the timing of this, the weather, accidents, and things like that that can really throw things out of gear as well. Moving on to my favorite sport. It is the most widely watched sport in the world and the most exciting. All you need is one ball and and something that looks like a goal post. It is football. And the actual football, the ball looks like a ball and you use your foot. To be honest, most of our listeners would be football fans and for them, this would be like, you know, already known information. But for those who don't, 
a little bit about how the leagues work. You know, you would have heard of teams like Manchester United and Real Madrid. And why do United and Real Madrid not play each other as much, right? They are two of the biggest clubs in the world. Mm -hmm. So, I will make an attempt to just break that down. Okay, starting with uh, what we know is the Premier League. So, the beauty of football, uh, Ronnie, unlike, say, NBA. NBA, maybe spoke about those 30 teams. Both 30 teams have. IPL, there are 10 teams. They are just those 10 teams. Football has a long associated history of promotion and relegation. So, it's almost like a pyramid. Mm -hmm. On the top of the pyramid is the Premier League. The next is called the English Football League Championship or the EFL Championship or simply the Championship. Mm -hmm. Below that is the League 1. Below that is the League 2. Below that are the amateur leagues. There are some 10 layers in this pyramid. So, literally anyone, you and me, if we play for our Sunday football club, we at least have an aspiration to one day play in the Premier League. The the rule allows us to do that. Right. You know, if we're really good, we can do it. So, every year, 20 teams are pitted against each other, play simply one home game, one away game, nothing asymmetrical. <laughs> every team plays every other team once a week. It's brilliant. At the end of it, the winning team uh, bases the number of points they've earned. So, there are three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss. So, on your cumulative points, you win the league or you don't. The bottom three are relegated to the EFL Championship. And brilliantly, the top three teams, actually the top two and one playoff winner from the EFL Championship are promoted. It's a huge deal, Johnny, once you're promoted to the correct, Premier correct, League. Correct. Like, the entire town is painted red. Everyone's out on the streets. It's a matter of pride for, for uh, that city as well. Uh, so, largely, the Premier League is consists of English and Welsh teams. Unfortunately, currently in the top 20 teams, there's no team from Wales. But... Cardiff and Swansea are some very popular teams from Wales that are also participating. So, at the end of the season, what happens? One emerges victorious, three get relegated. The top four teams get a chance to play in what is known as the UEFA Champions League. Or it's a continental event mm. where the best teams of Europe are pitted against each other for the European Championship. And UEFA is the governing body? UEFA is the governing body of uh, European football. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, that is, there are 32 teams in the Champions League. It starts off with eight group stages and then moves on to the knockout stages, a lot like the World Cup. And one team always wins the Champions League. Champions League is a lot about prestige. Uh, it's also insane money. Getting into the Champions League has you know broadcasting right money associated with it. So, there's a lot of income associated with it. Okay. So, even finishing fourth for a Premier League team is super important because it you know allows them to make you know, really good transfers, it, it helps on their PNL, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh team uh, enter uh, this secondary European championship called the Europa League. It's okay. not as fancy as the Champions League, it's not as glitzy as the Champions League, but it's a European championship nonetheless. The winner of the Europa League automatically qualifies for that. This is essentially club football. Uh, the league club football. Now, there are two other. Each country will have their main league hmm. in for, for the UK or England. It's it's the English Premier League. Uh, what are the other leagues for the top countries called, Samit? So, in Spain, it's called the La Liga. Hmm. Their second league is called the Segunda División and so on and so forth. Okay. In Germany, it's called the Bundesliga. In France, it's called the League A or League 1. Hmm. In Italy, it's called the Serie A. 
In Netherlands, it's called the Eredivisie. Okay. Okay. In Turkey, it's called the Turkish Super League, oh. so on so forth. In India, okay. Indian Super League. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to the, the English Premier League, apart from that, there are two other championships that teams play for. One is called the FA Cup, the Football Association Cup, and this, you know, uh, has a history of possibly centuries. This is every single professional English team has a chance at this trophy. Oh, so building teams also can play. Building teams who are a part of that top ten in the pyramid that I explained can be a part of the FA Cup. Then there is another called the EFL Cup or the League Cup, which is the top four leagues: uh, the the Premier League and the EFL Championship, League One, League Two. Teams from these four leagues can compete against each other. It's not as rich, it's not as competitive as the FA Cup, but it's a trophy nonetheless. Right. So when a team is aiming for a quadruple. They're essentially aiming for the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Champions League. Hey, has any team won the quadruple in their country? Yeah, I think uh, Bayern Munich in the early 2010s, I'm not sure of the year, maybe 2011-12. They won the Champions League, they won the Bundesliga, they won the Super Cup and their DFB Pokal, which is their EFL Cup equivalent. Okay. So, it's extremely tough to win the quadruple, but teams have done it. Manchester City had a great chance of winning the quadruple this year, but they blew. So, yes. that's it about football. This is, I think, enough for people to get a sense of how the league structure is. Again, the best way is, you know, find a Cristiano Ronaldo. The, the next generation of Messi and Ronaldo is this player called Erling Haaland, who's a Norwegian player who plays in Germany for Dortmund, or Kylian Mbappe, who was the World Cup star who plays for PSG. Uh, these guys are like the next big things in football. So, keep an eye out for them. Watch the Premier League as much as possible, and it's very, very easy to get glued into it. Where, where can someone watch it? You can watch it on Hotstar. Uh, you can also watch it on illegal streaming services. <laughs> <laughs> but I watch it on Hotstar. All right, all right. So moving on, uh, saving the best for last, as I would <laughs> like to think. <laughs> We come to pro cycling, professional cycling. So, professional cycling is something that's managed by the UCI or the International Cycling Union translated to French. And we are going to talk about just one tournament in professional cycling called the Tour de France. Yeah, but why, do you, why does one even watch this sport? Like, and how did you start watching it before you even start all of it? Okay. So, I started watching it because my father used to watch it. My father doesn't understand too much about teams riders etc and he understands you know the format the stages etc so growing up you know it plays at a rather convenient time which is around 7 8 pm uh, india time which is when each stage ends so dad used to come watch it and you'd see the beautiful french countryside people struggling on the uphill climbs of the alps and the pyrenees and all of that so it, it was through through my dad actually that i started watching it so, what is the Tour de France? It's essentially a cycle race across France. It can start and it generally uh, starts in a different country, one of the neighboring countries of France. So, it this year it was supposed to start in Copenhagen, but uh, I think the UEFA, uh, UEFA Cup or something is happening in Copenhagen now and because of some COVID-related stuff, it can't start there. Otherwise, it starts sometimes in the UK, in Spain, in the Netherlands, in Switzerland, in Luxembourg. 
So you have day one over there, and then day two onwards they enter France. And how many how many days is it? Twenty one, no? Yeah. So it's essentially a twenty one day long race mm-hmm. across twenty one racing days spread across twenty three actual days. There there are two rest days in between, and they cover about three thousand five hundred kilometers wow. during this entire uh, stretch. So. Uh, out of these 21 stages or 21 days of actual racing, each day can be split into one of three types of a uh, stage. So you you have the flat stage, which is generally on flat sub, uh, flat terrain, maybe a few small hills here and there, but nothing major. The second type of stage are the mountain stages, where the finish lines are typically either on the summit of peaks in the Alps or the Pyrenees Mountains or shortly after, you know, a descent after the summit as we have a few this year. And these races are won by guys who are typically a little lightweight because they don't have to carry too much load on the cycle up the mountain but have a lot of stamina as well. So they may not be very good at sprinting towards the finish. So marathon runners type as opposed to a 100 meter runner for the flat stage. The third type is a time trial where people race individually over a fixed course, maybe 20, 40 kilometers. So there are three types of stages, flat, mountain and time trial. And each of these are timed. So the winner of the Tour de France is the guy who has the least times across these 21 days of racing. So you've got to be mediocre good in all three. And pretty good in at least one or two of these formats to win the Tour de France. So the winner of the Tour de France is a guy who's awarded the yellow jersey. And this is the iconic trophy, so to say, that the winner of the Tour de France gets. Apart from this, there are, you know, other jerseys also awarded for people who finish first in a sprint race, etc. There are points like in F1 that are awarded and people with the most points are given the green jersey for sprint finishes. Similarly, for mountain finishes, there are points awarded and people get a polka dotted jersey, a white jersey with red polka dots for being the best mountain chap. It's very interesting to see like you're, you're either a time trialist or an uphill cycler or like a flat surface like so what's the strategy one uses you can't be great at all three unless you're a dope head like lances <laughs> so uh i i didn't mention this earlier so out of in in the tour de france there are something around 20 or 22 teams that participate each team has eight or nine riders and oh. each team supports their one one or two main riders so if the one main rider is someone who can potentially win the yellow jersey and they play to this guy's strengths. Similarly, if the captain guy is a sprinter, they try to make you know the sprinter win the sprint stages. So not everyone theoretically is going for the yellow jersey. There might be teams that are out to win the green jersey or sometimes the gold cut of the jersey, etc. So you can see 23 teams with say 9 people or 8 people each is close to 200 riders. Huh? So generally all 200 are bunched up together in a fashion that, you know, the guys in the front are doing a lot of the hard work by pedaling against the wind and all of that and taking a lot of that wind force, so to say. 
and the main guys are chilling in the middle or not and they don't have to put in as much of an effort they can save it for the end and at the end when you know 100 200 meters before the finish line the sprinter that then wakes up and decides ki i'll go for it and tries to win it for it in the mountain stages because you know you're going at a very slow speed there isn't as much wind resistance you try to break away from the people who are there with you and try to punish them with you know a grueling effort that you're putting so if you are pounding it and going up the hill everyone else will try to keep up with you and there are times where the body just gives up and people can't go on anymore and they just drop yeah. out of the race because you've just run out of glucose glycogen or whatever it is and your body does not have enough yeah. energy it's literally called hitting the wall and you end up you know dropping out of the race does that happen a lot a lot yeah yeah there are 200 cyclists so every mountain stage you'll see one or two dropping out oh, like like flies or media this year what's going to happen yeah now abhi abhi it'll, it'll be sometime around now only no right it starts on the 25th i think or 26th of june mm-hmm. this year that's about 3 weeks time and uh, it's it's pretty good from what i heard i didn't watch it last year so i'm a little out of touch but there are some really good young chaps who are uh, up for this and can win the yellow jersey two slovenians called tadej pogachar and primoz roglic oh wow and where does one watch tour de france i don't know <laughs> it it did come on 10 sports or ds sports or something earlier but now i don't know anymore okay so stream is what i'm going to do so it's going to be a little harder for our listeners to get get hold of this but uh, definitely you know tune in uh, once or twice at least to see how it's going it's it's 200 kilometers over 23 days every day and it takes about 3 hours 4 hours 5 hours to finish so you can just tune in towards the end when they're hitting the finish line and enjoy that the last day uh-huh. of the tour de france finishes on the champs elysees oh wow every uh, year is which it? is in the heart of paris yes every year finishes over there and they go they run ra- laps on the champs elysees from the uh, arc de triomphe to to the place de la concorde and they go around that maybe 10 20 times they start somewhere else maybe versailles or something like that and they come to paris and do this that's Lovely. that's always a lot of fun and it's not competitive at all on the last day so whoever wins whoever's leading the day before the last day is typically already declared the winner and over here they're sipping champagne etc while they're riding taking group photos and all of that so it's a lot of fun watching that the, apart from that uh, on the 7th of july this year is a very very interesting mountain uh, stage which which again i think people might enjoy brilliant I don't know what's the trigger to get me. The the thing that I learned here is that there are three types, and there's actually strategy and team level strategy. So maybe this year I will at least watch a few days of it to understand. Great. You can follow it on the app and decide when. They also have an app, is it? Switch on the team. Yeah, they have a pretty good app. Cool. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I think we're pretty sure you would have learned something new, uh, some surface scratching on the sports you've heard of, but want to know more about. If you do want to know a little bit more about sports, or rather the history of sports, we urge you to check out our episode four, where we did a fun breakdown of some of the most popular sports in the world. If you want to do a little more surface scratching on other popular sports, do drop in an email to surfacescratchers at gmail dot com, and we'll see what we can do. 
So until next time, goodbye. Bye.